Man, that was my pregame jam. Whole Heart is my favorite worship song. It is like on repeat. I hope that worship so far for you has been really meaningful. Thanks for joining us at our online location. We're glad you're here, and we're believing that no matter where you are, no matter when you're watching this, God has got something for you today. We're in our series, How to Be Victors, and today's talk is called The Right Gear, Part 2. Really creative there at that last little piece. Let's pray and we'll get right into it. Dear God, we just thank you so much that you have victory waiting for your children, that it is ours through our hope and faith in Jesus Christ. We're thankful that no matter what we're facing this week, and some of us are facing some serious stuff, that that you have victory waiting for us, that you have prepared us, and you are equipping us for the fight that lies ahead, and that someday we'll step out of these circumstances No matter how hairy they are, we will step out of these into a place of victory and hope realized with you. Thank you for being a God who loves us unconditionally no matter who we are, no matter where we're at, you love us as we are. Thank you for this community called Grace Free Church. We love it. We're so thankful for it. We're thankful that you have prepared us for such a time as this as only you could do. And we're thankful for our Schuylkill County. We love it. We are for it in every way. And uh, would you just do your thing this morning, moving our hearts and our lives in Jesus' name. Amen. Growing up, my mom thought it was a really good idea to, as she was shopping at this, um, at this yard sale and she came across this set of boxing gloves. I shouldn't say set. It was just one pair of boxing gloves. She thought it would be a spectacular idea to buy a household full of boys boxing gloves. Not even two pairs. Just one pair of boxing gloves. These boxing gloves, they got a lot of work. For, for young men, young boys, some teens grow, growing up, this was like the coolest thing you could ever find at a yard sale. It didn't even matter that they were like dry rotting and falling apart, that the padding was completely worn out, that the headgear never stayed on straight. This one set of boxing equipment to us, it was so amazing. But the problem was, it was only one pair of boxing gloves. So, so to box somebody, to box somebody, you would have to decide first who got to wear the headgear and second, which glove you were going to get. Were you going to get the righty or were you going to get the lefty? Now, I don't know about you, but my friends and my brother, we don't have left-handed people, not by choice. I'm not judging you if you're left-handed. We love you. There just wasn't a lot of left-handers growing up in good old Cresona at the time. And we had, we had a group of friends all who were right-handed and we bust these gloves out. We would have some serious decisions to make. And, uh, and, and so you got, you got the left-handed glove and the headgear or you got the right-handed glove. And it was not a fair choice. Like you, you couldn't fight. Some of you right now, if you're right-handed, try to write your name on a piece of paper with your left hand. You want to feel silly? Like Try, try to throw a baseball left-handed if you're right-handed. Try to throw a punch and box. Try to fight a fight just left-handed if you're right-handed. It doesn't work. I would sit back and watch as one poor soul would struggle to throw awkward, light, weak punches with the left hand as 
blow after blow they took and absorbed in their, their sort of okay headgear while the other person landed blow after blow with their right, strong, good hand. Right hand always won. And what I learned in those lessons is you have to fight the right fight with the right gear. The right gear matters. And when you fight the wrong fight with the wrong gear, you just end up getting beat up. It's why some of you, you've been attacking the frustrations you feel because of this pandemic with rants that make you feel more frustrated. You've been trying to reason with people who are unreasonable and you find yourself more frustrated. You haven't known what to do with this tension and this frustration you feel and you find that every outlet, every time you try to vent it, you end up more frustrated. You have to fight the fight with the right gear or you end up, you end up getting beat up. Now maybe even in your marriage you've been fighting the fight with the wrong type of gear. Maybe it's been manipulation or coercion, or maybe you've been trying to like to get people to bend to your will through the wrong approaches and you're just ending up more frustrated. Maybe, maybe at work you've been trying to fight the right battles maybe, battles for justice or the right thing, and you've been trying to fight them the right way, but you keep ending up frustrated and beat up because, because you have to fight the right fights with the right gear. And our gear, as people of faith, it's different. There's a story in 1 Samuel. It's an incredible story about David. We talked about King David and his fight with Goliath not too long ago. He wasn't king yet. He wasn't king yet in this story right here. And if you want to kind of follow along, this story is in 1 Samuel chapter 24. We're going to look at that and then we're going to jump back to Ephesians chapter 6. So write those down if you're taking notes. Pay attention to those passages. That's where we're going to land. But I got some other gems here for you too. David was a guy, he was being hunted. You see, ever since he had destroyed Goliath and King Saul had sent him out, he'd gone out with his own tools, with his own gear, to, to the stuff that God had prepared him for to fight this giant. As he went out and as he, he captured victory, something incredible happened. People started to sing his praises and tell his story. And in Saul's heart, he grew jealous and resentful. David was a servant that he brought close to him to play him music and to keep him at peace. And, and at one point, Saul became so enraged at the thought of David that he threw a spear at him and tried to kill him. David, who was close friends with Saul's son, Jonathan, got together with him and said, like, I don't know what to do. Jonathan said, you better run, man. My father intends to kill you, but I am for you. Run and hide. So David took some men, and he is running and hiding from Saul. But the crazy thing was, God had said, you're going to be the next king, David. My time with Saul is coming to a close. Your time is coming, and I will establish you as the king of Israel. David had that promise, but in the moment, because he was waiting for God's timing, he had to run and hide. And he's running and hiding as Saul is hunting him down. Saul is hunting him down in chapter 24 with some, this huge army. It says 3,000 men. Saul has gathered from around the country to hunt out and look for David and his men. It says he took him by the crags of the wild goats. 
I wonder what that would associate with in the skook. <laughs> Crags of wild goats. And he came upon the sheep pens along the way. This is Saul. And a cave was there. And Saul went into it to relieve himself. I'm not making that up. Read it for yourself. It's right in there. Like Saul's walking along with all his men. He comes to this cave. He's hunkering down for a little bit of privacy. He's like, man, I gotta, I gotta do what I gotta do. Like, I gotta take care of some business. I gotta go <laughs> see a man about some horses or something. Like, I gotta, like, I gotta go, like, you gotta stay out here. I'm gonna go in this cave. Don't knock. Like, leave me alone. I need some peace to take care of something, you know, that's been brewing since breakfast. I'm sorry if that's, <laughs> that might be too much for you this morning. I apologize. Saul goes into the cave to take care of his business and has no idea that in the back of the cave there's David with his men hiding. They were deep, deep in the cave. His men, it says, say to him, David, listen to this, right? This is the day the Lord spoke of when he said to you, I will give your enemy into your hands. Like This is what God was talking about for you to deal with as you wish. Then David crept up unnoticed to Saul. It's this moment of truth. David could have ended his problems right there. He could have taken matters into his own hands right there. He could have believed what these guys had said as they tried to mess with his mind about what God had promised. Maybe they were thinking like, this isn't fair. This isn't fair. You took care of Goliath. This isn't what you deserve. We deserve better. Like this isn't, this hurts what Saul is doing to us. Us having to leave our families and flee. Us having to live in the wilderness for crying out loud. We're living in a sheep cave by the goat thing. Like this is not fair. I shouldn't have to live with this. We shouldn't have to tolerate this. Didn't God say you were going to be king? Just kill him. Whack the dude. Take your rightful place. Those sentiments, like, they hit, they hit the heart a little bit right now because there's a whole lot of people running around feeling those kind of things. If I'm being really transparent with you, I felt those things. Like, this isn't fair. This isn't right. Why should we have to live like this? Why should we have to go through this? Why should we have to deal with these pains of restrictions? Why can't we just take care of it, take things into our own hands? Maybe this is what God wants after all. Like they're twisting it up for David. But fortunately, David wasn't fighting the fight with the tools we normally try to fight with. He was fighting the right fight with the right tools. And faith was his shield. His salvation was his helmet and his sword wasn't what everybody else was saying his sword was what God had said about him the same sentiments so he goes up and instead of killing Saul instead of taking what was everybody was saying was rightfully his his freedom his right his life back instead of doing that he just I don't know Saul's like chilling out, scrolling TikTok, you know, like whatever you all do when you're in the bathroom trying to get a little headspace from the kids or the husband or the spouse, like you're, you're there to be scrolling TikTok, laughing at, laughing at Tiger King meme videos or whatever, and then all of a sudden, like, he's, he's not paying attention, and 
David creeps up and grabs the corner of his cloak and takes his knife out and quietly cuts it off and then goes back to his men. Saul leaves the cave. He goes out and David is overcome with grief by his actions, you see. Not only did he feel bad about about what they were encouraging him to do, he felt bad about even taking a piece of the cloak of the man who was his enemy. And do you know why? It's because God had appointed Saul. And God had not ended Saul's reign yet. Says to these guys, I shouldn't have done this. It's not right for me to offend the person that God has here. Right or wrong, crazy or not, this guy's losing his mind. I did nothing to deserve this, but it is not mine to take. It's not my fight to fight. This is God's fight. I have to just use what he's given me to walk this journey. And so he feels bad and he goes out of the cave and Saul's walking away. He had said to his men, the Lord forbid that I should do such a thing to my master, the Lord's anointed. It's the same thing it says in Romans for us today. I know this hits. I almost didn't preach this because I know how close this hits. I know what we're all going through. I know how some of you feel about the leaders in our nation or our state or government. It's all over the place. Honestly, I'm sick of reading about it on Facebook. Like, I know how you feel about it, and I don't, I, don't, I don't know how I feel about it, but I also know that how I feel about it isn't true. What's true is Romans 13, 1. Let everyone be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. It's like Titus 3.1. Remind the people to be subject to their rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready to do whatever is good. And by the way, that's our stance as a church. We are ready to do whatever is good. But we trust God first. David, he comes here and he realizes that Saul... As crazy as he was, as bad as he was, as how much pain he was inflicting, was God's to deal with, not his. And he decided to engage his faith as his shield, his salvation as his helmet. It keeps his head straight. His shield of faith would protect him. Even when he wanted to lash out at this guy, his shield of faith, which said, I trust what God said about me, and I don't have to take it into my own hands because God's got this. I'm going to lean on his promise. One day I will be king. He will deal with Saul. One day I will have justice. One day it'll be right. One day it'll be made whole. I'm going to trust his promise, and I am going to use his word to guide me. He stands outside of the cave, and he says, Saul, like... I could have killed you, and I'm sorry that I even took this. Why have you treated me so wrongly and poorly? What have I done to you to do this? A demonstration of faith, which was the one thing that would make David such a great king. We don't fight. We don't fight like everybody else. What we have, the gear we have, is better. And it, and it means we don't get beat up. It protects us. 
In Ephesians chapter 6, it gives three things to long game. I know this is maybe not real easy, but it's right. Ephesians chapter 6, it gives us the gear. It says these three things, we talked about them last week, like the things you always have on. You always have on the belt of truth. It's what helps keep your life all together. It's what we're talking about right now, the belt of truth. It helps keep it all together for you in whatever circumstances you're in. We, we have the breastplate of righteousness. It protects our biggest target, the place we get attacked first. It protects the most important vital organs. It's it's how we live either puts us at risk or it strengthens us, how you've been living. And the feet ready with the gospel of peace, it's, it's the traction for your life provided by remembering the good news. God is for you. And the evidence is the cross and the empty tomb. But then there's three more. You see, you're supposed to put those on to be prepared for anything. But then there's three more lists that you take up to fight the fight. The right gear for the battles you're facing and the frustrations. It says this in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 16. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Three things listed here. To be battle-ready when it hits the fan, when, when the attack comes, when you're in the middle of the fight, when it's no longer avoidable, you've been prepared for this thing, you've been walking around and making wise choices, you've been living right, like strengthening your life and your marriage and your relationships by making good decisions and living out practical righteousness. You've been ready because you have the breastplate of righteousness on and you, you got the, you're, you're, you're ready, you got, your feet are ready, you're reminding yourself that God is for you. You got your belt on tight. It's not the kind of stretchy belt that slips. It's the one that got it all locked down. You're ready. But now it's time to take it up. Take it up. The first thing it says to pick up is a defensive weapon. Those two things, they make sense together. It's something to protect you and something you can use to advance in the battle. And that's called the shield of faith. The shield of faith is so important to keep close to you, ready to pick up when the fight comes. It's a defense that protects everything. These things would protect the whole of the soldier in the day that this was written. These would be essential tools that they would use to lock together to prevent them from being beat down. It would give added strength to their formation. This shield would be what put out the fiery darts. The shield is faith. It's interesting that this is the only place it talks about in this passage where, where the attacks come and what they look like. Fiery darts, attacks that burn like lies that you let take root. See, these things, they always take more. They always consume more than they start. They start with a spark, but they turn into a fire. Some of you, you've been burning up. Because you let some of the lies creep into your life. Lies about who you are. Lies about who God is. You've let lies about your identity creep into your life. And it's been burning you up because lies always take more. Bitterness. A fiery dart that will always burn up more in your life. You let bitterness take a little bit of 
a seat in your heart towards one person. Next thing you know, you're becoming bitter at all kinds of people. It just burns up and consumes everything. Being driven by your passions. Making decisions based on passions first. Being a slave to your passions. It takes a little bit. It feels okay. Maybe even a little good at first. But then it starts burning you up and burning down your life. These fiery darts, they come in the form of lies, passions that are out of control that we're, we become enslaved to. They, they come in a heart of bitterness or rebellion. They can come in and slide into doubts that are unchecked that we don't take and seek truth in light of. They can take seat in selfishness and they always consume more. And instead of holding up the shield of faith, sometimes we just feed them the dried wood from around the yard as if that'll make them better. Stop feeding those things in your life. Stop feeding them and giving over to them, letting bitterness take root, letting anger control your life. Stop letting the lies sink deeper into your heart. Who God says you are is amazing by the truth because it'll set you free. We hold up the shield of faith when we're under attack. The shield of faith, it says, no, no. I feel alone, but I'm not alone because the shield of faith trusts the promises and the word of God. I feel alone, but I'm not alone because God's with me. No, I don't have to walk this journey alone. No, I don't have to believe the lie that I'm a loser. No, I don't have to buy into that I don't have worth. No, I don't have to believe what those people say about me. No, I don't have to live like this. No, I'm not trapped. No, I don't, I'm, I don't have... No, I have a future. No, I have hope. No, I have someone who loves me. No. You see, that's what holding up the shield of faith does. It says no. Somebody better say no in their comments right now. Somebody better be shouting no in their living room. You don't have to buy the lies or fall for the fiery darts. You don't have to live defeated. You can hold up the shield of faith and say no, I'm going to excuse me, I'm getting excited. I'm going to choose, I'm going to choose to believe what God says. I'm going to choose to have faith in Him. And it's going to protect me. Psalm 1830, write that down. As for God, His way is perfect. This is what faith says. As for God, His way is perfect. The Lord's word is flawless. He shields all who take refuge. The second thing is the helmet of salvation. The helmet keeps your head straight. It's where Satan loves to attack you, right in your doubts, right in your ways of thinking. You see, he likes to make you feel insecure. He likes to shake your confidence. He likes to mess with how you feel about yourself. He wants to mess with how you think about others. He wants you to think that they're the enemy, that they're the problem. He just messes with your head when you don't have your helmet on. Like a little blow to your head can send you spinning and dizzy. Always keep your helmet of salvation on. It protects your mind. What protects your mind is the hope and security and assurance you can have because Christ has saved you from, from the evil one. He has rescued your soul through the cross and through the empty tomb. 
You see, once you place faith in Christ, you have salvation. And God begins a process that we call in the theological world sanctification. This means that he is working his salvation deeply into the roots of everything, how you think and how you feel every aspect of your life. And as your salvation takes root and trickles through his process of making you new into your head, it sets you free. The enemy, on the other hand, he wants the lies to sink deeper into your system. He wants the the deceit to sink deeper into your system because then he owns you and you are bound. But Christ offers you freedom. That's why it's so important to keep the helmet of salvation on. David was like, you know what? Like, no matter what happens, God's going to save me. He said I was going to be a king. I'm holding up the shield of faith saying, no, God said I'm going to be king. He's going to make it happen. He will be my salvation. I'm not going to let you mess with my head. I'm not going to let you twist it all up on me. I'm not going to get confused. I'm going to keep my head straight facing my king, Jesus. The third thing is the sword and it, and it gives an explanation. Sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. I love how clear that makes it. It just clears it all right up. Hebrews 4.12. For the Word of God is alive and active and sharper than a, any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing the soul and the spirit, the joints and the marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. We need that more. Something that pierces through all of the hard exterior, something that can speak to us that's greater than somebody's opinion, something that can show us the right path even in the midst of all of the other confusing voices that would have us go all kinds of different ways, something that speaks assurance to our hearts, truth to our souls, guides us. God's word, his truth is what we need to get to the good stuff of life. It's the sword we fight with. It's the sword David fought with when he knew that the authority Saul had was from God and it was God's to deal with and that he was just going to be faithful in following God. It's the same sword Jesus used when he was fasting in the desert, being tempted after 40 days by Satan himself who said, just take this kingdom, I'll give you everything. And the sword Jesus used, what Jesus used to fight his battle with this enemy was God's word and promises, quoting scripture. (laughs) It's good enough for Jesus, and if it's good enough for David, it's good enough for us. And scripture says you put on the first three and you take up the last three. Put on righteousness with how you live. Make some smart choices that make you stronger, not make you vulnerable. Keep the belt of truth wrapped tightly around you so you can hold it all together keep it all together in the face of crazy circumstances. Have your feet give you traction for life, life where you actually get somewhere because you are reminded that God is for you no matter what. And then take up. Take up the shield and just say, no, 
I'm not buying these lies anymore. I'm going to trust Jesus and his promises for me. He will never leave me. He will never forsake me. He is working in all things for the good of me and those who love him. I may not see it now, but I'm going to trust in it. I'm going to hold up the shield and I'm going to say, no, I'm not going to feed the lies anymore. I'm going to shelter behind the truth. Pick up the shield. (laughs) Take up the helmet of salvation Let the message of what God has done sink deep into how you think. And use this. It's the sword and its truth can pierce the things we need to pierce to bring out the good stuff of life and what God has for you. Scripture says it's useful for everything. Take it up. I don't know where you're at right now. Maybe there's one of these areas that sticks out to you that you could say, man, this week I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fight different. I'm going to fight with the right gear, the right way, the right fight. I'm going to put this on or I'm going to take this up. I'm going to forget trying to use all of these frustrating other methods, fighting the right fight against the right thing, the right way, knowing that victory is what God promises me. I love you all. Miss you. Can't wait till I see you again. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for your love for us. Thank you that we have hope in who you are. It's hard. This is hard. Some hard truth, right? We may not like the authorities in life. You know my heart and that in, in my heart I lean towards rebellion. It's just a fiery dart that I gotta stop feeding in my life. So would you help us not to trust in what someone else says or does, but to hold up the shield of faith and trust in you. Let's not to fight the battles in our homes, in our workplaces, with the same old things that leave us empty and frustrated. Help us to fight with the faith, the truth, the hope, and the love that we have in you. In Jesus' name, amen.